Hey everybody, you're listening to Sit Down with Stand-Ups. I'm Ari Azizian, and my guest today is a very funny stand-up comedian. He was a writer for Saturday Night Live, and he's currently a writer on the hit TV show Blackish, and he's the first comic to release a comedy special on Team Coco Records. I'm sitting here with the hilarious Ian Edwards. Hey, what's up, man? How's, How's it, it going? going? <laughs> my pleasure, man. My pleasure. Thank you so this much is, for being here. This is a very here. professional organization you got going <laughs> Thank on here. <you. laughs> got gifts, <laughs> uh, food. Got to treat my guest. You're like one of the funniest stand-ups. This is the live from the Sunset Strip yeah, I see uh, podcast. We're just yeah. sitting out here outside and make uh, the best of it. Yeah, with these amazing microphones. Looks Thank like <laughs> like like we're from the 50s. <laughs> I know you grew up in England. Right? Uh-huh. And then you moved to Jamaica and then New York eventually? Yeah. Um, I was wondering like what some of your early influences in comedy were. Was it like Monty Python and like more British humor or did you like like American comedy more? No, I definitely remember watching Monty Python a lot. Yeah. And England, they repeat. They, they didn't have a lot of shows, so they repeated the ones that they did have. So right. they repeated Monty Python a lot, so you always saw it. And uh, the flying circus, one. the flying circus, <laughs> yeah. all that stuff, and then it, it subconsciously influenced me. Nice, like, like it definitely had a, an effect on me, because, like, when people compliment me, now, it, it there's like strands of like British humor in there. Really, yeah. And then Jamaica, as far as humor, like they're just so real there. Jamaican people are just so real. Like, you know, if something's, like, straight in front of you... Like, everybody's a comedian in Jamaica. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Everybody's, <laughs> like... Like, you don't, you wouldn't want to get heckled by a Jamaican. Because you feel like you're getting heckled by a professional... Comedian. Comedian, yeah, right. I remember all the kids being funny and going at each other and making fun of each other. Yeah. Or maybe I was just... The group of dudes I was used to hang out with, maybe we used to do that. Maybe that's what makes me think that, but... A lot of Jamaican people are funny because they're so honest. Teasing and like picking on each other, kind of. Yeah, teasing, picking, you know, same stuff you get here, but just very, very honest. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And you were in America, in New York, at like seventeen years old. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And uh, when was it like when you first realized that you wanted to be a comedian? Uh, I didn't realize I wanted to be a comedian. I just wanted to be funny so that I could just communicate with people and people would want to hang out and talk to me. Yeah. So so then I was just tapping into my funny side. And then uh, I also used to work at Burger King and I used to like take orders over the drive-thru. So then I used to be funny over the drive-thru. <laughs> And then what would one, you do, like, over the drive? Just, just probably was stuff that I'm embarrassed about now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, hacky stuff. Yeah. Nothing creative. Yeah. You know? I was just... Going, you know, throwing out anything that came to my head, and uh, I just remember one guy. After I took his order, he drove around, and he's like, "Hey, man, you should. You're funny. You should be a comic. You should do comedy." Wow. And then I just ran with it from there. Didn't even know him. He's a stranger. Never seen him before in my life. Him, yeah. I know, right? That's so I, amazing. I, I beat him up for ruining my life. <laughs> I could have had a good, decent job and a pension somewhere. <laughs> Now I'm in California on Sunset Strip in this warm, <laughs> warm January weather. How dare he ruin my life like doing that? A podcast. Doing I'm a so podcast. I'm so sorry. I'm yeah. so sorry. <laughs> That's so awesome, though, that he just told you that yeah. you should do stand-up from there. And then how long was it after that where you like went to an open mic? Or? Uh, pretty soon after that. It's some something about maybe the way he said it or how he said it. And maybe one or two people had told me I was funny before that. And then I was at the age where... I was like, I have to find something to do right. with my life, for my life. Mm-hmm. 
So when he said that, it was just the right moment. And I just like started listening to more comedy albums like Richard Pryor and Cosby and Eddie Murphy. And, and I started like going down to the local comedy club and checking out open mics. And uh, this trying is to all get the, in New York, right? All in New York yeah. on Long Island, yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. So, what was your like first set at an open mic like? Was it? Did you do pretty well? No, nah, nah? it was horrendous. It was horrendous. Yeah, it's How come? What happened? Because I'd been going to that club, it's Governors in Long Island, and I'd been going to the club to uh, I'd been going there to check out the open mics, but I never like walked on stage. Just get a feel for it. To get like, a feel for yeah. it. Even after the show or if I get there early before the show. Right. And so I have no say stage savviness. Never been on a stage before really in my life. And when I went on there, the lights hit me and they blinded me. <laughs> and when you lose your sense of sight, you pretty much lose everything else. Right, yeah. It's like a goes. domino effect. And you got to have your hand. For yeah, like. <laughs> yeah, like hold, using my hand like it's a sun visor. I did that the first like two times. Yeah. You don't realize how bright those lights are. Exactly. Until you get there. And it made me realize that's why cops shine lights on you to when they pull you over to disarm you. That's true. Yeah, get your senses down. It throws your senses off. Plus, I was nervous. So, it was a terrible set. I stumbled through every joke, except the last one I said perfectly, and everybody laughed. Oh, and I was wow. like, oh, shoot. If I stop being nervous, and if I can tell all these jokes without being nervous then I'll be fine. So 10 years later, I wasn't nervous anymore. That's so cool. <laughs> I, I mean, I, ha- I can relate because I have that trouble with like nervousness on stage. Right. And, um, wh- how do you, how could you say you got over that like hurdle? I was just, it just practice over and over again? Over or? and over again. Just wrote it out. Yeah. Like, you know. But you knew inside like that last joke saved you. Like you're like, I know all this stuff is funny. Yeah, I probably would have quit. Really? Yeah. And then I was like, Oh, that's, that's, that's the first, I think, piece of set awareness I ever had. Like, okay, this is not, you know, like, I didn't panic. I didn't say, say fuck this. I'm never going to do this again. I was like, you were nervous. Like, I assessed myself correctly. You were nervous. You stumbled over all your jokes. The last one you said perfectly. They laughed at it. You wrote that last joke just like you wrote the rest of the other jokes. So these jokes are funny. You just have to stop being nervous. The audience totally, like, picks up. Mm-hmm. Like it's like a they have like an animal's instinct. They know like when the comic's nervous and yeah, there was there was, there was no hiding that I was nervous that <laughs> night at all. It was shaking it was, and squinting <laughs> at the light. Shaking and squinting, yeah. <laughs> like there was a I was the only, only one acting like there was a breeze inside the building. <laughs> Just shivering a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, shivering. Yeah. That's so funny. Um, <laughs> do you remember that last joke by any chance? That it was a, it was a joke about my car, <laughs> it being a shitty car because I, I did have a shitty car at the time. What was, was the car? Uh, I can't remember, but I do remember that it had holes in the floor, <laughs> and <laughs> I could see the road, and I could break my ankle <laughs> if I didn't like put keep my feet on the pedals. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> break my ankle driving. I've ridden some yeah. of those. I know how yeah. it feels. Um, so you said you your early influences. Besides, like, Monty Python and stuff, you got into Richard Pryor and George Carlin and Bill Cosby early on? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's so cool, and I could totally see that, like, in your set, how you're, you're really great at painting a picture and telling a story. Right, yeah, I, yeah, I always hoped to be like that, so it was good. It was frustrating at first, because all I could do was come up with one-liners. Yeah. And then, uh, then I learned to just expand the one-liners. And, like, 
put a story around it. Yeah, put a story around it, yeah. Would you say, like, you make it more personal around the one-liner? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because yeah. it's like, uh, I always liked how Richard Pryor took stuff from his life. Right. So that was another thing that I learned from listening to him. Like, you know, like, go with things from your life. Because that's the only way that helps you stay original. Right. You know, there's certain things that only happen to you. And there's certain things that are universal. But if you go with the things that only happen to you or your take on the things that happens to everybody mm. but how you felt about it then you can you can be original and universal at the same time that's so cool yeah I never mm. thought of it like that because I always think like you know I love the one liner comics but I can't mm. imagine thinking of all those topics you know like yeah it's like this more It's to me it feels like more work right now you gotta know all these topics like you're saying like but if you just milk one topic you stay on one topic for five minutes. Right. Yeah. And I love watching you because, uh, I mean, I've, I've heard your jokes several times, and it's just like, as a student of comedy, I guess, like, mm-hmm. you uh, you set up these jokes in a way that the audience kind of draws back a little bit and they get <laughs> quiet. Right. And then you win them back, and looks like this thunderous, like, laughter over, and it's so cool to watch. Yeah, I know. Um, I, I never learned my lesson. I always <laughs> turn the audience against me. <laughs> After I get them back on my side, it's time to turn them against me again. And then to get them back on my side. I think that's so cool, then though. Turn them back against me again. <laughs> that's like, uh, it's really, I think it's brilliant that, mm-hmm. to have that control. Because you know, the audience, I think the haircut joke that you do. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then everybody just gets quiet and they're like, what's going on? And then just like, boom. And everybody's totally on board. It's so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard you on a. Uh, Mark Maron's podcast where you're mm-hmm. saying uh, how you like to do comedy how you like to have a message in it mm-hmm. um, but not be angry and like alienating but right. still have like a meaning a meaningful message in it right uh, I was wondering if you could like elaborate a little bit on that and like how to not come off cause as a younger comic I guess nobody really wants to hear you do like political or like real stuff right it's like what does this kid know but then, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's hilarious. But, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, like, uh, I'm trying to think of like, uh, like Bill Hicks or Sam Kinison. Like some people can get away with being, having a harsh message and delivering it harshly and being effective. But for me, and I've tried that and it's worked, mm-hmm. but I think you can deliver a harsh message better with a smile on your face yeah because you know it's like making a kid take their medicine you gotta find a way to make a kid take their medicine right and for me it just works better like not if I just do it nonchalantly you know but if I if I get animated or angry then they're like what's this guy's problem we right. don't hear what the hell he's got to say yeah yeah I feel like it's a thin line, like from like a rant. Sometimes yeah. like comics get too ranty, yeah. and you, it's a little alienating, like you said. Yeah. But I really like your style. Thanks, man. You do that, yeah. Appreciate it. And you also were a writer on Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Uh, how did you start to write for them? Uh, I did it for a little. I did it for a little while, and uh, my ex-manager was Tracy Morgan's manager at the time oh, when cool. he was on the show. Yeah. And so you were around there writers. with like Tina and Amy yeah, Bowen yeah, and all that's all yeah. awesome. I doubt they remember me though. <laughs> <laughs> you know, those people are big time. Well, what were you writing for? Like sketches or weekend? Sketches and 
like anything I could come up with for Tracy. Okay. Yeah. yeah Did they, you do the safari stuff that he does? No, nah, I didn't do the safari. I was gone before that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. What were some of the sketches that you worked on? There was there was, so, there was one he did for like an Easter bunny thing. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And then, can't remember anything else, but it's, it's a long time ago. Well, and then plus it's tough to get stuff on SNL. Right, I heard yeah, it's really it's like tough. competitive. Yeah, it's competitive, yeah. Did you have, was it like, because uh, I know you've had other writing jobs. Mm-hmm. Do you think SNL was sort of like, uh, you had to like work a lot harder like to get stuff on the air? Well, I knew at... I had a limited time to prove myself over there, so then there was that pressure, and then I got there, like after I left, and then a few years after I left, that's when Tracy became into being Tracy, mm-hmm. but Tracy wasn't Tracy yet on that show. Right. But he, he's, he's lucky, I guess they saw the talent in him, like some people, they keep around, and then some people they decide not to keep around, I don't know how they decided yeah I know you know it's there's always sometimes so many people have potential and then yeah. they're gone next season yeah sometimes I see people doing tons of sketches and then they're gone they're like that guy you got rid of that guy right, he was yeah. in everything <laughs> and then then they'll keep somebody who isn't in anything and then he'll get hot or vice versa I, you know so it just wasn't t- Tracy's time time yet you know but a few years later he heated up and he was doing uh, the Brian Fellow sketch and Brian all that Fellows, stuff. Yeah. yeah, that's so awesome. Yeah. Well, what was the sort of like starting out at SNL? Did you like submit a packet or? Yeah, I did submit a packet. A material? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, compared to your other writing jobs, did you like it or? No, I liked it. Was it a short time? Yeah, short time. Mm-hmm. I, I liked it. Yeah. I liked, uh, submitted the packet, then they said, come in, and then you just go in on a, on a Monday and you they give you an office and then you go to the meeting the pitch meeting because the pitch meeting is Monday night I think I'm no. trying to remember it's been a while and uh, you, and then Lauren Michaels is introducing the guests for that week to all the writers oh wow and he's he, I don't think we'd ever met before yeah you know you didn't meet Lauren until then until then and then he was like and he said he introduced the guests to me with my name and I was like oh, this motherfucker knows my name <laughs> <laughs> who was the like, first guest when you were on I think like Joan Allen or somebody Joan Allen yeah yeah and that's Ian Edwards right yeah, there yeah he's, he's, so he's, he's, he's like going through the room and say this motherfucker knows my name <laughs> yeah alright that's cool. rad yeah and what's like the writing process like on SNL you start on a Monday they tell you, you the guest you start on a Monday they tell you the guest you pitch some ideas then I think they tell you which ones are the ideas they like for you to go write up and you can start writing Monday night but I think people really write hard the, the hardest on Tuesday night Tuesday night okay and then the sketches are doing on Wednesday morning wow and then you can go home and then come back for the table read do you, do you stay there Monday through Wednesday pretty much nah but you Tuesday night you stay there oh my gosh yeah. so it's like an all nighter yeah. but it's like college night. it's like all the kids are up yeah and you're writing and you're procrastinating and you're writing and you're procrastinating that's so cool yeah do you do you write like individually sorry I just don't no, know it's the all process good. at all but no there's individual like there was sketches that I wrote by myself and there's sketches I wrote with uh, with other writers and you like bounce off ideas bounce stuff. off ideas yeah people help people out and stuff that's so cool yeah it's cool and then like why is it I hear so competitive once you turn everything in who who is the ultimate decider of picking all those sketches I guess Lauren Lauren okay. yeah, yeah I guess Lauren like it's competitive because 
there's there were a lot of writers then and then also there were cast members who were writing too okay so then you want to get on the show you if you're a writer you want to get your sketches on the show because then you can keep your job and then right. if you're a performer you figure the only way for you to keep your job is to be on camera so you, you they sort of write themselves and yeah so okay. they write their sketches and they try to you know they try to trying to be on the show right keep the job does it go by like purely funny demerits or does it's like, purely funny and then there's some political moves there's some political like the cast members have a higher position than yeah the writers? like some cast members seem to always have to get a sketch even oh, if it's wow. not funnier than you know wow yeah no yeah. idea yeah and then uh so wednesday they, they choose and then there's a another table reading you said no on th- thursday there's like punch up rewrites punch up rewrites yeah okay. and i think friday and saturday rehearsal and then you know they're building sets and stuff like that those then, guys always impress me the most yeah those that, that's the impressive thing like the, amount the of writer time. can come in and just switch up everything last minute right and they have to build a whole new well like, the, the set i can't say that's never happened but it's still a short amount a short turnaround to build a set from wednesday to be TV ready for oh, Saturday, Saturday night. I know, yeah. yeah I that like means it's got to be ready before Saturday. That's so, crazy. Yeah. So you see like end. full space station yeah. that they built and you're like, how did they do that? Mm-hmm. And then after that, was it uh, soon after that you moved out here to California or were you in New York for a while after that? I was, I was actually here when I got that job. Oh, and they flew you out. No, I just, I'm from New York, so I came out here, did the first writing job and then I missed New York, so I, I, I was had a place here, but I stayed in New York a lot, yeah. like especially in the summertime. Yeah. So then, uh, then, then, and it didn't matter because Barry was like, I can, I can get you this job if you're sending me a good package. So once I sent the package in, and I, I can't remember if I was. Is this Barry Katz? Barry Katz, oh, yeah. Okay, cool. I just can't remember if I was in New York just hanging out. Right. Or I was here, but. He said, send a package. And I think I was in New York. Yeah. So it was just convenient, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. And to just go back a little bit, um, how long were you doing stand-up when you realized you also wanted to do writing as well before you did that first writing job? Uh, only the moment that I did get the writing job. <laughs> like, I didn't know stand-up led, led to writing. Yeah. I, I was naive. I didn't know, you know. It was just... It was just uh, a manager at a comedy club said we're having auditions right and and people want to see comics that any and they because they're looking for writers and he recommended me right and then I uh, I just went there did my job that night did great and then uh, they asked me to send in some samples and I had some samples prepared and I had some stuff that I hadn't fully completed Mm -hmm. but I just went home and completed them that night and then I sent them in and then they hired me was this for the late night with the Wayne yeah for for Keenan and I late night talk show that's so cool so you just had to like send some like topical like monologue jokes nah I just it wasn't even jokes it was all sketches oh okay cool that's awesome and then after that they started coming right yeah coming through and right yeah that's so awesome yeah it was cool and you've written on, I mean, so many great shows. And then after that was SNL, and then 
You did Boondocks for a while? Yeah, too? I did Boondocks, yeah. That's awesome. Like a season, yeah. 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 And uh, and then after that, did you do, is it Blackish after that? Nah, did Boondocks, did, I'm going to forget some of the things. Did more sports. I did, uh, oh, Jay Moore? Jay Moore oh, cool, on ESPN, nice. yeah, yeah, late yeah. night talk show. Did, uh, I'm going to forget, I did, uh, Kevin Hart had a series, a sitcom on ABC called The Big House. Uh, I did six episodes of that nice it went six episodes mid-season replacement uh did that did uh did uh trying to remember i did some punch up on my wife and kids and they fired me that's the only job i've ever been fired from (laughs) oh man why'd you get fired i guess i it was kind of between me and another guy yeah and it's like there was it was a test i didn't know it was a test I just thought maybe two shows have two punch-up guys. <laughs> so in those two weeks... So they just called you guys, didn't tell you you guys you're competing? Nah. Oh, I, like, I figured it out after they told me not to come back. Oh, <laughs> but that was the only job I ever got fired from. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it just it taught me a lesson, so I'm good. Yeah. They wrote Nick Cannon's show. Uh, what was that? Wild and Out? Uh, Short Circuit. Short Circuit. It was an M- another MTV sketch show. I quit that job. Why? Uh, it just wasn't going in the direction I thought it should be. Like, it wasn't Nick. It was some producer they had. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> and was he just like not into like the jokes and the sketches, or? Nah, I, like maybe I didn't like what he was choosing uh-huh. or the direction the show was going in under him. Yeah. And I was like. I don't need to be here. Right. So then I just told the 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 head writer, who's a good friend of mine, we still talk. I was like, yeah, it was Friday. I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be coming back on Monday, man. <laughs> <laughs> My manager was mad because I didn't tell him oh. that, what I was going to do. I just, That's the coolest way to like <laughs> leave a job. Just on Friday afternoon. Uh, yeah, was like, yeah, I looked around. I was like, yeah, I'm good here. <laughs> To be honest, when I did watch Short Circuit on TV, it did come out pretty good. I just, but with that guy, the way it was, I just didn't think it would. Right. Yeah, it's just, I was like, what's going on That's here? so strange, yeah. Yeah, but it came out pretty decent. Yeah. That's so cool. And then, did you also do, you did Punk too? Yeah. Bit? I did Punk after I left the Boondocks. Like, uh, they called me in for an audition. And then, uh, I just went in there and just had some fun. It was like... They asked me to do something that I do all the time. They, they asked me to clown the other actors. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We had comedy like a club. comedians. Yeah, it's a comedian's dream. dream. Like, yeah. like that was how that was like the improv test. Like to, <laughs> to sit next to another actor, and go at it. They want to see how you come up with shit and right. insult and stuff. Because I guess that is an element of the show when they have the mark cornered. Yeah. Like the person is rude to them. So it was just easy for me to be rude to whoever <laughs> I was in the audition room with. Like, I do that all day with comics, you know? Yeah. That's so funny. And then, I, then that was the first stage. And then the other stage, they put me in the room with two other people who had made it to the other round. And this is all in one day. And then we uh, went back and forth, like, with some state throughout some scenarios. And just committed and did some funny version of their scenarios. And... And then there was like 
they were like, Ashton was there, Jason Goldberg was there. Oh, wow. And uh, they were like, we, we love you. <laughs> and like, there's one more person that has to decide at the network, but, you know, we'll, we'll get in contact with you. You know, and it's just, you just go home hoping that that one person sees the tapes and likes it. Right. And they did, they did. That's so cool. It was cool. What, what was some of your favorite jobs or writing jobs that you had uh, out of all of those? Uh oh, the Chocolate News that chocolate was with David News. Allen Greer that was on Comedy Central too. Yeah, that was a beautiful gig. Like we worked hard, but it was fun. David Allen Greer. He's so funny. He's funny he's as cracker, shit. Yeah. Man, talented, a great horse to ride. Like if you give him a really good joke, he'll make it even better. Yeah, he's so he's good super at improv talented. and like yeah. everything. Yeah, that's so, so cool. How, yeah. I, I remember that show vaguely. Like I remember mm-hmm. it coming on. How long was that on for? Just 2008. I mean, it was kind of like Daily Show-ish. Was Daily Show, but it's just like top. Maybe, maybe more like Colbert-ish. Colbert, right? But you know what it's like? It was like The Onion meets Colbert, right? Because we had a lot of fake news stories, and you know that were That's like so that were ethnic, you know? Yeah. And uh, it was funny. That's it was a so show. cool. Yeah. Yeah. And Blackish is awesome like it's totally picking up and it's yeah, a great Blackish show. is just picking up yeah I, I want to tell you though I just quit Blackish you did? yeah yeah oh well, how come yeah. just didn't want to nah, it was just time to I you think, wrote a lot for it right? yeah I mean, we, I mean it's, they're still in the first season yeah I just didn't want to go I wanted to start the new the, the year fresh right and I was like the good thing it it taught me was like I got used to waking up early mm-hmm. You know, I'm old enough to have, to be used to waking up early and just getting used to it. I'm ridiculous. But the regimen of getting up early, so I had to like, I gotta, I like, I can stay on this show, write on it, and then get lost in a shuffle of writers. Or I'm a, I'm a pretty good stand-up, and if I go hard, I can make my name doing stand-up. Absolutely, like I, I got yeah. like, I got really good friends who are really good comics like Burr and Rogan. And I could be doing what they're doing if I fully commit to it. Like, they fully committed. And I just never have fully committed because I could always relax in a writing job. And I was, when it, when everything was going good over there, I was worried about it going good. Really? You know? Yeah. yeah. And, I, and then I was worried about being comfortable there mm. and not having the fire to want to leave and to do stand up just do stand up and commit to myself so you kind of get like a comfortable yeah because vibe. then you're going to make some money then you're going to buy a house then right, you right. then you have to keep the job to keep paying for the house right you know and then you're there 5 years and then 5 years from now it's too late to start a stand up career yeah or to have one you know that's so, so smart to realize so, that like yeah. right then, i mean you mentioned like that you got to have like a drive of just full stand-up to get to like a level and I think you're like totally at that level but like what do you mean by that like do you have to go on the road more or do you have to like just have to yeah you just like have what to, is that next like level well there's there's things I could do to 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 push my name right but I can't do it writing on a show like I can't go out and pitch to networks my own idea because oh. my contract didn't allow me to do that Oh, so that's one thing that could get me something. Yeah. Or even like a higher level spot on a show would put me in a position to pitch my own show. Like, right. 
you know, and, and have the, the studios and the networks trust me more, you know? Or do, doing a special, working all year on my material and shooting a special at the end of the year or the, the beginning of next year and then putting it out. Like, I haven't done a special yet. And I've done an album, but I haven't done a special. Right. So it's like, if I'm in an office, it's gonna be so hard to do a really good special. Do you find it hard to think of stand-up material while you're in the writing mode for a, like a sitcom? It's not hard, it's just like time-consuming. Right. And you're, you know, right sitting in the office all day coming up with jokes is kind of tiring, mm-hmm. you know? So then you gotta come up with that. Then you got other stuff you gotta write. Then you got friends or people that want you to read their stuff. And then you gotta come up with new jokes for your set. And you've been writing on a show for like 10 hours for the day. It's just, you gotta, at some point you gotta be like, I'm just gotta, I gotta cut one of these things out and just do this. And that's just what I did. Yeah, you need some time yeah. for your own. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's, I had no idea like how time consuming and all the business behind. Yeah, and I was on a lucky show. Like Blackish hours weren't that bad. Uh-huh. Like we usually got out there at six o'clock, went in, at, went in a little bit before 10, got out at six and then at least once or twice a week, we'd go to like eight or nine. Mm-hmm. You know, I think maybe the latest we ever stayed was like ten. But it shows you sleep there. Wow. So we got lucky on that one. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. And what's your writing process like for stand-up? For stand-up, uh, like you can get jokes. I can get a joke from something that I say to somebody. Somebody asks me a question, I'll say something funny, and I'll yeah. say I'm keeping that. You know, and then or do you write it down or? Yeah, I'll write it down. Yeah. And then, uh. Oh, no. <laughs> it's all good. Oh, the alarm. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, it's going to keep going. Yeah, somebody hates your podcast. I know. <laughs> Hopefully, this guy will get it. Yeah, somebody's anti podcast. <laughs> oh, great. Mm. So, yeah, you just write something from a conversation you have with, like, a buddy? Yeah, or, or sometimes things just come out of nowhere. Or sometimes just from things, books you read or watching stuff on the news or TV, something will come to you. Yeah. Like you'll have a funny response or something, a reflex. Or a lot of times now it's just like a premise. I, and I, I like to deal with premises where something is wrong and then I want to try to fix it. I want to identify this thing that's wrong yeah. that nobody's paying attention to and then throw in a solution a solution yeah or at least point out why it's wrong right and why isn't anybody why doesn't anybody think it's wrong you know so does the solution always have to be like could it be like a silly solution sort of like a satirical like take yeah, on it yeah it could be yeah. yeah like I like to throw something satirical something silly in all the seriousness uh-huh. there's probably some silliness in every serious point yeah and then and I, I'm trying to rethink maybe there's not a lot of solutions I come up with <laughs> but you know at least point things out you know right yeah. like what's wrong with yeah. this yeah yeah and your album 100% Half-Ass mm-hmm. was amazing it's oh so thanks funny. man oh thanks appreciate that released through Team Coco Records yeah you're the first one to come out on that oh label? yeah yeah That's they'll so never make a mistake like that again what <laughs> no, I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> How did that come about? Did you do a set on Conan and they said, come and make an album for us? Or? Yeah, I did a few sets on Conan. And then uh, the second to last set I did on Conan, I was sitting in the green room and J.P. Buck was like, yeah, man, we're thinking about starting a comedy label. 
And at the same time, me and my manager, we, we were looking at like rock labels to do an album on. Oh, wow, yeah. And then we had like one tentative thing. But then, you know, this Conan is a, a known comedy brand. Right. And to be first on something is usually good. Definitely, yeah. And so it was a perfect thing we were looking for. You know, he's got the show, he can promote it. Right. And he's got like followers and people he could tweet it to. And and uh, so it was just perfect. Like, yeah, if you're going to do an album, like a lot of people don't do CDs. Like a lot of people do do CDs, but not to get lost in the sea of independent CDs. Conan is a good place to put it That's out. That's true, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's so funny. It's like oh, I've listened to it many times. And for people who are listening, go to teamcoco.com. Uh, teamcocorecords.com. Dot com, yeah. And it's five dollars. It's called One Hundred Percent Half Ass uh-huh. with Ian Edwards. It's the funniest album. You gotta download it. Oh yeah, thanks. Uh, Even the price is half ass. Five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Get that, y'all. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's great. Um, I gotta tell you just one personal story. All right. Um, when I was a kid, I used to watch Comedy Central like all the time when it was just stand-up. Uh-huh. They didn't have like South Park yet or The Daily Show. Mm-hmm. And I would just take every stand-up joke that I like and go to school in like first grade, second grade and just tell the jokes to all my friends. Uh-huh. And I saw you on a deaf comedy jam once somewhere uh-huh. when I was like seven. Seven, damn. I would tell, because I lived like close to the beach and kids would go like surfing and whatnot. Uh-huh. I would tell your shark attack story to all my friends all the time that's hilarious. and I had no idea it was you until like a few <laughs> so months ago and I was checking it out hilarious it's such a great joke where it's like there's no such thing as a shark attack when you're in the ocean you're in that person's you're in the shark's home <laughs> yeah if you're taking a shower at home and the shark comes up and says like that's a shark attack that's, that's an attack yeah. <laughs> I totally butchered it but it's one of my favorite jokes yeah you did butcher it <laughs> <laughs> for your favorite joke you did butcher <laughs> <laughs> I have to do better on my favorite joke. Yeah, you I'm do. So sorry. Um, so I was wondering, when if you had like any more plans in the upcoming future? Like you said, mentioned a special possibly and uh, special, uh, and like I'm oh, I'm going to Sundance tomorrow. Oh wow! Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are so, you in a film or? Did yeah, you? I'm in a film. Cool. Yeah, Which film is it? A film called Tangerine. Tangerine. Yeah, and uh, who directed that? A guy called Sean Baker. Sean Baker, okay. Yeah, and he's directed like a lot of, not a lot, but a few independent features before. And I guess he's seen me perform like in New York and at the store. And one day he approached me from the store and said, hey man, I'm going to be shooting some things. I wonder if you're interested in acting. You act? I said, yeah, I like acting. I need to do it more. Yeah. And it was just when I needed to do it more. It's just when I was thinking and telling people I want to act more. And people just started. It wasn't just him, but it was a few people came to me and put me in like projects, you know, just by thinking it, you know. Yeah. Just by like saying, you know, I really want to kind of act more. And then uh, it was a Saturday. Went and shot it. They paid me like a hundred dollars, but I, I didn't even know I was gonna get money. I just did it because I wanted to to just act more. Right. And I did two scenes in this thing, and then he calls me in November and said. We think the film is going to Sundance. Oh my God! We'll know December third, and yeah. then they confirmed it. Wow! And then now I'm just—I've always wanted to go to Sundance, like bring a film to Sundance, mm-hmm. because one of the—it wasn't a distraction. Wasn't one of the things I wanted to do when I came out here. That kind of made me put stand up aside for a little bit. Like I went to directing school, okay. and I wanted to make some stuff. Yeah. And and every time I start prepping to make something. I would like get a writing job 
and then I just do the writing right, job yeah, and not yeah. do it. So that's that's another thing about, you know, like me quitting black is just the reverse of that. Right. You know, instead of putting one of my personal projects aside to get a writing job, I'm putting the writing job aside to, to do to be to be personal. Yeah. That's so cool. So do you want to eventually one day like direct movies and stuff? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Nice. Yeah. What are some of your influences like Woody Allen and stuff like that, or uh, just anything good? Yeah. Anything good. like, like I, comedy. They, they, I liked a lot of Woody's early stuff, and I I liked the movie that was nominated last year for Woody, or was it was the year before with the Blue Jasmine. Blue Jasmine. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, yeah. That was good. I, I just like I just like movies. Period. I'm always at the movie theater. Cool. Yeah, awesome. I stay in the movie theater. Well, yeah. thank you so much for meeting up with me, and I had learned a lot. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure, man. Thank you, time. man. You're, you're, you had a great organization going on here. It's a <laughs> one-man organization. You got gifts. He knows you, what bro. soccer team I'm, I'm a fan of. It's called Manchester United thing. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, sir. All right, thank you, thank man. You.